Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning to you. I'm Lin Lee. On today's Morning Shot, we explore Sino-US relations that have been thrown into a deep freeze after a series of events and disagreements in recent months. Ahead of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, or APEC, talks in Detroit later this month, China's Foreign Minister Qin Kang has stepped out to say that it's imperative to stabilize ties between the two superpowers. But meanwhile, US trade officials have uh, cited China's economic coercion that's what they call it, among issues that the U.S. delegation would like to discuss with their Beijing counterparts. Also notably, Blinken had earlier hinted at a potential trip to China this year to restart regular dialogue. Is there a chance of seeing frozen relations thaw at this point? To analyze all of that, we're joined by Joseph Liao, Tan Ka Kee Chair in Comparative and International Politics at Nanyang Technological University of Singapore. Good morning to you, Joseph. Good morning. Hi. All right, what's behind the increasingly rocky relationship between the U.S. and China? Do you agree that the two are slowly headed to a collision, as what some political watchers are saying? Well, their relationship is certainly uh, deteriorating and has been doing so for some time already, a number of years. I think fundamentally what you have are two uh, major powers who perceive each other to be undermining each other's interests, right? Uh, From the Chinese perspective... They've always held the view that the United States is trying to impede its uh, rise, its development. As far as the United States is concerned, they have witnessed uh, China uh, emerge you know, from uh, a very uh, difficult economic kind of circumstances decades ago uh, and enter into the WTO facilitated by the United States and then uh, emerging as a major power, but in the view of the United States, not quite playing by the rules of the international order yeah, and um, taking advantage uh, here and there. And this is the how the Americans have viewed the situation. So you have two powers that have this mutual suspicion of each other and they appear to be digging in and mm. that's not a, a great situation. Indeed, the two countries have gone head-to-head in trade foreign policy as well as the race in the tech space in recent years. And beyond that, ties have also deteriorated by uh, Beijing's close relationships with Russia and its suspected sending of a spy balloon over military-sensitive parts of the US this year, not to mention differences over Taiwan. So where exactly can they start when it comes to negotiations? Well, I think in the first instance, there is a realisation that there are some areas where the interests of both parties converge. I mean, uh, one area, for example, is in terms of working together for the sake of uh, certain public goods. Here we are thinking of uh, climate change. Here we are thinking of, uh, since we're coming out of COVID-19, there was a lot of talk a couple of years ago also about how the, the US and China should try to work together to manage a global health crisis. But the problem is, again, at the fundamental level, if we don't have trust uh, between the two powers, if the two powers are always suspicious of each other trying to uh, undermine the interests of the other, um, then it's very difficult for them to get together, even on areas where there are common interests, even on areas where the good of uh, humanity is at stake. So, um, yeah, that's uh, we want to try to 
avoid that becoming an intractable issue. But in order for that to happen, uh, both parties have to not only start talking to each other, I think that's very important, but over and above that, uh, they really have to be honest about how they want to approach these issues together. Now, over the past decade, the U.S. has imposed dozens of sanctions on Beijing. Based on your observation, have these attempts worked out for the U.S.? Um, The United States uh, certainly is making a a big issue of this, uh, using economic coercion Mm -hmm. uh, in the form of sanctions, uh, as you rightly pointed out. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it has been successful, I think you really have to end up getting down into the weeds because it's one thing to impose uh, these measures, but uh, implementing them uh, has always been a challenge, I think. The reason why is the economies of the United States and China are really interconnected in very substantive and very deep ways. Even uh, the hawks in the U.S. today, they've stepped back from talking about uh, total decoupling, uh, whether it's in supply chain, whether it's in uh, technology. uh, They realize that it's easy to talk that talk. It's not so easy to walk that walk. Mm -hmm. Um, so there have been measures taken for sure, but I think there's also been a realisation uh, and you see uh, comments made by uh, various leaders in recent times, recent days, that suggest that the US wants to be a bit more measured in terms of how they approach this issue of economic coercion against the Chinese. Let's talk about China. Post-pandemic, we're seeing China boosting its presence around the world and putting out a clear message that China is open for business again. Coming on the back of that, if the US responds with further curbs on trade and investment, even as other nations deepen their ties with Beijing, could the US potentially head towards becoming isolated? I don't think so. I think most countries, if not all countries in the world today, well, with very few exceptions, uh, most countries in the world take the view that they want to do business with both the US and China and they don't want to be dragged into the kind of uh, uh, superpower rivalry that the two are engaged in. Yeah, The opening up of China or the reopening of China after COVID is something that has got everyone uh, very enthused and excited. At last year's APEC meeting, for example, the long queues of people who wanted to meet uh, President Xi Jinping Mm -hmm. uh, is illustrative of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, China is a major economy. It's an economy still with huge potential. Um, It's a huge market that everyone wants a piece of. So it's unimaginable for certainly countries from our region uh, to want to distance themselves from those opportunities. At the same time, the United States, we need to remember that... um, at least in Southeast Asia, the United States is by far the largest investor still in our region. Yeah, Even mm-hmm. though there's a lot of uh, sound and fury about uh, some Chinese initiatives. But the United States have been here for, for a long time and mm-hmm. continue to be here. And I think as far as I know, all countries in the region welcome the United States presence as well. So it's not a matter of... Uh, alienating the US or alienating China for that matter Mm -hmm. but it's an issue of making clear to both these powers that we would really like them to form the basis of a stable relationship uh, in the region among all countries so that uh, we can work together with the Chinese and with the Americans for development and growth. We're in conversation with Joseph Liao, Tan Kaki Chair in Comparative and International Politics at NTU Singapore. 
Some analysts are saying that they don't expect U.S.-China ties to improve, and that if anything, the best scenario is to avoid conflict. To what extent do you agree with that? Well, the situation is quite serious now. Um, I think even getting the leaders of the two countries to sit down and talk, uh, that in itself is not straightforward, uh, which means that if they do, that is an achievement. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's the state of affairs of uh, US-China relations today. Of course, that's not uh, great. But at the same time, I believe that both parties are sensible, rational, level-headed. They know what is at stake if they were to allow the relationship to deteriorate to the extent that it involves conflict. Uh, there's a lot at stake. Um, the kind of capabilities that both powers possess. I mean, they they are great powers, right? So that basically means whether it's the military capabilities, whether it's strength of their economies and how their economies are linked to the global economy. Uh, These are substantial players who can cause a lot of damage, uh, not just to each other, but to the rest of the world as well. So I think they're aware of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the question is, whether they have uh, reached a point where they realize that, look, we really need to slow down and at least stop this deterioration and start to talk about the, the word they use is guardrails these days, right? To be able to manage the relationship and make sure it does not veer off course. So is that the best case scenario or what exactly would be a win-win outcome between the two superpowers? I think at this point in time, we, can't, we really can't ask for too much. So, um, unfortunately, like I said, that relationship has deteriorated to such a point that uh, even if they are, the leaders are prepared uh, to, to meet and continue meeting, um, I think that's a significant step forward uh, already. I think it's a, it's a relationship that has fallen into disrepair on uh, many counts and we really need to start uh, rebuilding a lot of aspects of it. All right. Thank you very, very much for your perspectives and insights, Joseph. We've been speaking with sure. Joseph Liao, Tan Ka Kee Chair in Comparative and International Politics at NTU Singapore. Thank you. Sure. Bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.